0: Welcome to another episode of The Mind Castle, and today we're tackling an interesting thing involving habits, discipline of our brains, and how we stay motivated even when we don't feel like it. And I'm going to start this by reading a chunk from the book Atomic Habits, which is a great read and you Mm -hmm. should all get this, but it makes a great point, page 113. And uh, I'm probably going to butcher some of these names, but... That's okay. In 1965, a Hungarian man named Laszlo Polgar. I don't speak Hungarian, but that's probably how you say his name. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Wrote a series of strange letters to a woman named Clara. I do know how to say Clara.
1: Hmm.
0: Laszlo was a firm believer in hard work. In fact, it was all he believed in. He completely rejected the idea of innate talent. He claimed that with deliberate practice and the development of good habits, a child could become a genius in any field. His mantra was, quote, A genius is not born, but is educated and trained. Lazlo believed in this idea so strongly that he wanted to test it with his own children. And he was writing to Clara because he, quote, needed a wife willing to jump on board. (laughs) This guy sounds like the typical eccentric (laughs) professor. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Clara was a teacher, and although she may not have been as adamant as Lazlo, she also believed that with proper instruction, anyone could advance their skills. Lazlo... Okay, this is, just, this is just so crazy, but it's a true story. Lanzolo decided chess would be a suitable field for the experiment, and he laid out a plan to raise his children to become chess prodigies. The kids would be homeschooled, a rarity in Hungary at the time. The house would be filled with chess books and pictures of famous chess players. The children would play against each other constantly and compete in the best tournaments that they could find. The family would keep a meticulous file system of the tournament history of every competitor the children faced their lives would be dedicated to chess. Lazlo successfully courted Clara. And within a few years, the Bulgars, I think is how you say their last name, were parents to three young girls, Susie, Sophia, and Judith. Susan, the oldest, began playing chess when she was four years old. Within six months, she was defeating adults. Sophia, the middle child, was even better. At 14, she was a world champion. And a few years later, she became a grandmaster. Wow. Which is not easy to do. No. <laughs> Judith, the youngest, was the best of all. I'm assuming being the youngest, she got to learn from her siblings, so she ends up with better instruction. By age five, she could beat her father. At 12, she was the youngest player ever listed among the top 100 chess players in the world. At 15 years and four months, she became the youngest grandmaster of all time, younger than Bobby Fischer, the previous world record. For 27 years, she was the number one ranked female chess player in the world. Now, uh, okay, I'll just finish with this part. Polgar sisters grew up in a culture that prioritized chess above all else, praised them for it, rewarded them for it. In their world, an obsession with chess was normal. And as we are about to see, whatever habits are normal in your culture are among the most attractive behaviors you'll find. Now, there's a couple of things I think we should be pulling from this, a few lessons that might apply. And you could go a number of different directions and he takes it a certain direction in the book. But as we go through life, What are the things that matter the most to you? And it's a question of what are you becoming every day through your actions instead of your lofty goals or who you are right now? What are you doing each and every day? Where is that taking you? Mm -hmm. What path are you actually on every day? Mm -hmm. I think all of us have seen others that have certain skills and mindsets that we would like to have, you know, but, but what, how do you obtain them? And that chapter I think is a, is just an excellent example of you show up every day and you master your craft mm-hmm. every single day, whether you want to or not, you develop a habit of excellence in that, whatever that field is. And I think that professor kind of made his point, you know, is like, Hey, if, if you really pour yourself into one thing, you can become the best. And I, I, I think he's onto something actually, you know, maybe, you know, I'm sure there's some limitations. For example, I could not become a professional basketball player. I'm too short or a football player for that matter. I'm too weak, but, <laughs> but there are some things that if you pour yourself into, you can become the best, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to make a habit out of it and show up every single day. Mm-hmm. And perfect your craft what do you think
1: i think that is so true i would love to know how like the specifics of how he taught them that like what mm-hmm. like what was happening psychologically for them that actually made them want to do it because you know what if they were like i want to be an ice skater <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> can we test that out yeah come like, on dad um okay so actually he he has a little bit on this okay it says their childhood was at- <laughs> was atypical to say the least. and yet if you ask them about it, they claimed their lifestyle was attractive, even enjoyable. In interviews, and you can look this stuff up online, the sisters talked about their childhood as entertaining rather than grueling. They loved playing chess. they couldn't get enough of it. Hmm. you know so what like it tells the story of one time in the middle of the night the dad finds the one like playing with chess pieces on the floor. You know, when she's like this little kid and says, hey, like, hey, leave those things alone. You you need to be sleeping. And she says, no, dad, they won't leave me alone. Hmm. You know, it was it was so immersed into their brains that this is what we want to do with our lives. And, and if you grow up with it, you know, it's something you enjoy, apparently, at least in this case. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, how do we develop those things later on in life? Right. That's kind of where
1: and, my mind was going. Yeah. It's interesting his viewpoint on there is no. how did he say it? There's no such thing as, what did he say at the beginning? Innate talent. Innate talent. Yeah. That is very interesting because that tends to be something that stops people all the time when it comes to learning something new. Like I was talking to some people the other day and it was just like, they were, well, okay, I was reacting a little bit to them because they were talking about, you know, oh, like, I'm not good with this. I'm not good with Mm -hmm. names. I can't read. I can't do this. Or I can't remember things. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, whether or not you say I can't or I can, you're going to prove yourself right. Either mm. way, right? That is like how it works. <laughs> because mm. as soon as you say I can't, you have put a wall there, and your brain knows it, and your brain will not go past it. Mm. And so the the what I was challenging them on, I was like, okay, like that. Okay, first of all, those aren't innate things, innate qualities that get inherited. They're mm. skills that get learned. And I was like, why are you cutting yourself off at the knees here, and just deciding that you are? incapable, mm-hmm. that your brain is literally not capable of learning those things when in fact it very much is. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you doing that? Like, that is something that can be learned. And I was bringing up the guy who is like the the master at memory, you know, learning disability, mm-hmm. couldn't read. Which we did an episode on. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, he's like upper 50s and he's still just insanely talented at this. And I'm like, if he can do that, then you can do this. <laughs> and I can do it. Like, that's what's so powerful about it. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I feel like sometimes this whole thing of natural talent, natural giftings. Well, I know for a fact, scientists have studied this about these naturally gifted people. And it turns out that they put in thousands more hours that people don't know about, mm. that they don't see. And in fact, there is, in fact, okay, I forget what book it was that I was reading. Oh, I wish I could remember it. It might've been Atomic Habits, actually. Actually, I think it was, where he studies the violin players. I think it is, yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, okay, you know, he, I forget how many it was, but it was the whole thing of becoming a master in your field, 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. And he found that these students, the ones that were naturally gifted, were putting in, like, 30-plus hours a week with violin practice that they were not required to do. They only had, I think, five or six hours of training each each week. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, they were the best. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that thing of, like, there's... I don't know. There's a lot of times when we just cut ourselves off and we don't give ourselves, we don't give ourselves the ability to to learn something. Like you have to mm-hmm. give yourself that ability.
0: Mm-hmm. So how many times have you heard somebody say, oh yeah, I'm just terrible with names. Tons of times. I've said that myself. Yeah. I used to say that too. And one day I woke up and realized that's really dumb. Yeah. Why am I bad with names? I can, I memorized a pie like 3.145, you know, the infinite number. I memorized it to like 60 digits when I was 14. My memory is completely fine. Yeah. Stop saying that. I'm not bad with names. And it, like, literally just that mm-hmm. has made a big difference now. I'm still not just fantastic with names. I'm getting there. But, you know, if I would work on it 10 minutes a day, you know, and try to stretch that part of my yeah. abilities, shoot, I'd smoke it. Oh, you know, yeah, no if, problem. If, if I would actually put some, some investment in it, instead of saying I'm bad with names, a more accurate way of saying is I h- lack the discipline to become good at learning names. <laughs> that it's hurts a your bit more. fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, an, or another example, um, our friend Jaren, who I have a podcast with about book reading and all that stuff. The guy is insanely, and if you're listening, Jaren, I hope you don't mind. He's super good at piano, like ridiculously good yeah. at piano. Not mm-hmm. just, he'll just sit down and just play stuff or he'll just improvise things. I mean, he heard the piano guy's piece, All of Me, which isn't like really complicated and yeah, and long. He heard it a few times, like, oh, that's cool and played it. Like by ear, boom, he's that good. And I've heard many people say, wow, he's so talented now. He may have some natural abilities that make him very prone to musical skills. But if you ask him, the guy spent enormous amount Mm -hmm. of time Mm -hmm. developing that talent. It did not just pop into him randomly, bolt of lightning. There's thousands of hours of practice Mm -hmm. that people don't realize that go behind that quote unquote talent. Mm -hmm. And I... Well, and you'll find
1: that, like, the story, their family really emphasized music mm, growing true. up.
0: And so it, it became a love very early on, I'm guessing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, really young. I mean, he started piano, and he was like, I don't know. Jaron, you'll have to text me or something. When did you start learning <laughs> piano? It was, like, way long ago. And that's the other thing. Starting young yeah. is a big deal because that means you're getting hours of practice or, like, years of practice in, whereas starting late, you know. But, hey, it's, you know what? Like they say with investing, when, when was the best time to, you know, start investing? Uh, well, 10 years ago. Well, when's the second best time? Right now. Like, you, you know, if you if you miss the boat, quote unquote, like start right now. If you're bad with names, take 10 minutes a day, get good at it. You can do it. Google it. It's not hard. There's techniques out there. Yeah. Okay. So back on track here. Another point from the book that I think kind of nails what we're talking about with this whole concept of this family of chess masters mm. is, the uh, quote, it's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Yep. You know, those chess players had 10, 15, 20 years of hardcore practice yeah. before they actually quote unquote made it or whatever you want to say. Um, again, you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than with your current results. Mm hmm. You first start playing chess, you're gonna be horrible yeah. at it. I mean, you're just going well, living you, proof over here. Yeah, exactly. But yet, you know, you practice more now. You can really beat me in chess if you would want to, because hey, Maybe. your trajectory. Yeah, but you were on a trajectory. Right. Yeah. Um, and then again, just nailing the point home. You get what you repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, you and show if you up every day. Nothing. Guess what you get? <laughs> Yay! Show up every day. And what are you telling yourself about your abilities? And the limits of yourself. Yes. Another, well, okay. One last example. I just finished my formal skydiving training, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a whole host of reasons and I'll make a video about it. Was it a letdown? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'll make a video about why it's not just because it's fun. It is, but there there's other deeper reasons behind it. But I have always thought, hey, that would be a cool thing to do. You know how people talk about stuff? Like, oh, that would be neat. You know, maybe one day I should do that. And I said that for like ten years, you know, and and then there was some other friends like, Yeah, maybe that, you know. But it wasn't until someone was like, Well, why don't you just do it? Like you're just hee hawing around. And and really mm-hmm. at the rate I was going, I would never have done it in the course of my entire life. Yeah. And then I had a friend say, okay, let's go do it together. Uh Oh, okay. (laughs) And there's a whole new, there's a whole episode right here that we could do on this about fear and trepidation and death. You know what we, yeah. What we tell ourselves, you know, but when I actually got around to it and started the training, I learned a couple of things really, really quickly. And that is the guys who are all gung ho about it. Aren't necessarily the best skydivers. The ones that are the best, the best, they show up consistently. Even mm-hmm. though, man, when you start, it is incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. Skydiving is the rigging and the safety regs and, and everything's just it's it's so overwhelming. And you start and then a lot of people start and then they'll stop and then they'll start and then they'll stop. It's the ones who show up consistent every week, mm-hmm. whether they want to or not, whether they're Horrible at it or not, of <laughs> one of the really good skydivers at my drop zone. It took him like a year. I mean, he just wouldn't quit. He just kept showing up. He was ter- he was terrible. He was a <laughs> horrible skydiver. think a bad
1: skydiver is a little bit dangerous. It, it, it <laughs> is. It
0: is. It's actually a little dangerous. yeah but he was a terrible skydiver, and it took him like a year. But now he's really good, and he's training to be an instructor. Like, whoa. Okay. Cool. Hmm. But he showed up every day, swallowed the fear, and was like, No, I won't let my brain get in the way. I'm actually going to master this skill. It's just a matter of putting in the time. Anybody can skydive. It's mm-hmm. not hard. Actually, it's not. You just got to put in the time. There's just yeah. a certain number of hours you have to have before you get good. And everybody's that way. Some get it a little faster than others, but it's just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know. The guys that are really good end up being the ones that get hurt. You know, the guys that look terrible are the ones that actually become masters. It, it's just a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, you just put in the time.
1: Yeah. That's super interesting. So, one thing I
0: wanted to mention here, that I've
1: I learned from uh, Tony Robbins actually, is that there are three things that if you want to change your behavior or change a habit or change something in your life, he says that there are three things that you, that you need to address in order to do that. First one is physiology, your body, how you move and carry yourself because that is directly tied to your brain and how you learn. And you'll find that with like memorizing things. You put it with motions, you're 10 <laughs> yeah. times better at remembering it. Anyway, physiology is the first one. Language is the second one, change your language. Mm. How is your language stopping you? I can't do this. I don't have enough time, all that, blah, blah, blah. You do. So change your language if you want to actually change it. Third one is your focus or your belief in the thing. Do you actually mm-hmm. believe you can do it or are you like really, really focused on it? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the trajectory of where you're going. You're always going in some sort of direction. Mm-hmm. Make it make that direction. Like when you were hee-hawing around about skydiving, you weren't going anywhere. Like, never would have happened. Your, your, yeah. yeah, your language was there, maybe. You were thinking, you're talking about it. Yeah, this would be cool. But there wasn't actually the, I can do this. I no, will yeah. do this. And like, then, there's yeah. a big shift that happens when you do that. So, those three things physiology, the way you remember this. Mm. And this is how I remember it. I'm like listening to an audio book or audio seminar of him teaching these things. And I'm like, oh, I really want to remember this. And, and so I made some motions like physiology, like you stab yourself right in the heart. <laughs> language you like throw it out like take your hand and like throw the words out of your mouth yeah. language focus from your eye mm-hmm. and now I can remember it I was driving great took point. like I did it like two or three times now it's in my brain I remember it
0: that's that's, that's really so cool so try
1: to remember that when you're when you're deciding that you want to change something about yourself
0: yeah and and, and remember talk is cheap people say stuff all the time yeah. they don't do it you know we we do that to ourselves so much oh I'm gonna do it yeah we are, we're right. <laughs> what really have you put in the hours really like you're gonna do that Cool. Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is insane to me how many people talk about stuff and just, they never actually follow through. Oh my. Yeah. It's so easy it's to talk about stuff. It's one of the biggest stuff.
1: frustrations for me, actually.
0: Oh yeah? Oh Oops. Yeah. You're gonna, when, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to, i the best of you know, people to, like, man, it is, it is crazy. Yeah. Wow. So if you, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear my incredible skydiving tales <laughs> of nearly dying. And not not really. Uh, and other amazing life advice, you can hit that lovely subscribe button right oh, there yeah. below the title of this episode. And maybe you could even leave a comment and a review. Or if you're interested or have questions for us, you can shoot us an email or message us. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, yeah. And as always, you can follow us at our websites, Reagantrock.com and AustinTrock.com, or yep. on social media under our names. So All it's very places. easy. Yes, very easy to find us. And yeah, actually, I think we should do the one on skydiving. If you yeah, want, yeah, we it, should do that. Let me know here soon. Yeah, it's basically like uh, as Will Smith says when he went skydiving for the first time. He's like, "Yeah, let's go skydiving." Yeah, great. You know, and you go in bed that night. You're like, <gasps> <laughs> and you keep waking up in the middle of a nightmare, falling, and then they take you, and you're like, they open the door, and you're like, "Ah, it's the first time I've been in a plane with a door open." You yeah, know? Exactly. And you're like, 14,000 feet of death. Yep. Anyway, fun times. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Nailed it. Yep. See you guys later. Yep. Cut.